Thank you for listening to the Reclaim Church podcast. We hope that this message is a blessing to your life. For more information on our church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX. Now please enjoy this message. Okay, anyway. All right, let's get into the message. Can we pray first? Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Jesus, that you're with us. Holy Spirit, I ask that you'd speak through me. God, I don't want to give my thoughts or my opinions, God, and help me not to be afraid, Lord, of what, of what your word says, but to speak it with confidence and boldness, God, knowing that it is you that speaks, God. It is your word that we follow, your standards that we, that we, that we want to meet. So I thank you that you're with us, Lord, help us in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. All right, so we've been talking about our reclaimed core values. And um, last week, I'll do a little bit of recap a little bit later um, but what, something I wanted to talk about a little bit today as we get into that is where are we from? And so a lot of, um, a lot of times people ask me, well, who sent you out here? And why, are you, why, why Texas? And all those questions. And, and we're obviously, if you know me and my family, we're from California, the Los Angeles area. And um, we've, we've been here in Texas since uh, 2018, I believe. And uh, we moved here in March or February, March. And so... We've been here for almost almost two years, and it's been a, an amazing time. Our church our church is about to hit the one year mark in a couple of months, so I'm excited for that. Um, but what we're a part of is we're a part of an orga- organization called Praise Chapel, and Praise Chapel. There is a ton of Praise Chapels all over the nation. Um, there's Praise Chapels really all over the world, and Praise Chapel was a ministry that was started in the city of Huntington Park, um, um, in California, back. I don't. I tried to figure out the dates and I couldn't get them. So it's been a long time. And so they they started their ministry, and they were actually they still are a church planting ministry, and so they sent out a lot of churches to a lot of different cities, mostly local at that time, and one of the churches that were sent out was actually Praise Chapel Paramount, which is my pastor's church. And so they were sent out. I believe they were sent out in 1989. They, I think last year they just celebrated 30 years of ministry. And so they got their church sent out to the city of Paramount, and then they went to Bellflower, and then they joined my dad's church, which was in another city. We joined together, and we became another church-planting organization. And so our, from our church in, in, in Praise Chapel Paramount, our church, we have 30-plus churches throughout the nation, and we have mission works and, and in a lot in South America and Sanada and all those places. And so we're, we are a part of a much bigger vision. Our church is a small branch in a very, very large tree. I would put it this way, that our roots run deep. And so I'm not, I'm not saying this um, for, you know, just to, just to mention it, but I want, you to, I want us all to understand that our church already has credibility. Our churches that we're connected to have been, have been tried and have been tested and have been proven to be, to be really founded on the Word of God and the strength of the Holy Spirit. And so we are a part of a much uh, larger organization. And the reason I say this is because we are not just a part of the same movement, but we have the same vision of that movement. And so what we want to see, and, and again, I, I, was, I was meeting with Jose uh, just yesterday, and we were talking about this, and we were talking about, you know, what do we want to be in the future? Where do we see this church going? And right now, yes, it is, it is somewhat small. But what we see in the future is we are going to plant churches. Uh, we want to see reclaims in Georgetown. We want to see more reclaims in Round Rock. We want to see reclaims in Taylor, in, in, um, in Pflugerville, in all these different places. There are some now, but we want to see more. We want to see them throughout Texas. We want to go throughout the nation and plant churches. That is what our vision is. Now, you may say, well, I don't want to be a pastor. That's okay, because not everybody's called to be a pastor. 
But we, we, do, we do want you to know what we're a part of. It. We want to be a church planter organization, but also we, are, we, we believe in people. We see the value of every individual that comes into our church. You matter to us. You matter to what God wants to do. And although some things have changed, the vision remains the same. And the vision is, 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 is not just church planting. Really, Jesus lays down the vision for us in, in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. It says, and Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, there, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. See, now we are, we are a part of this and will continue to enhance this vision of Jesus, which is to spread the gospel to the lost, to the broken, to the hurting, to the outcasts. All those people need to hear about Jesus. Every one of us have connections to people that need to know who Jesus is. We are not a church that, that is based on personality. We're not a church that's based on, uh, on technical things and, and beautiful lighting, although one day we will get there. I believe it. But we're not there yet. We are a church that, will, that is and will always be founded on the gospel and empowered by the Holy Spirit to accomplish this work of spreading that, spreading that gospel so that all can come to know Jesus. We are going to be a church of church planters. We are going to be a church of risk takers. We're not going to be a church that just sits around and does nothing. Amen. We're going to be people that are so inspired by the word of God that we're going to go out and do what Jesus has asked us to do, which is to spread that gospel. And everything that we do as a church comes down to this vision of Jesus. It goes beyond our fellowship. It goes beyond just a church name. It goes all the way back to when Jesus was sitting with the disciples and saying, hey, this is the plan that I have for you. You're going to go to all the world. You're going to preach the gospel. Everything we do is based on that. Our mission, we shared about this last week, to reach one, to reach the one, the one matters to us, the one person, to reach them, to bring restoration to people. To restore the relationship between God and man to as many people as we possibly can. So reach one, release one, and, or excuse me, reach one, restore one, and then release one. Releasing people and to do whatever God has called them to do. We don't put God in a box, but we also don't put people in a box. Amen? You got things in your heart. We don't want to say, well, you do what we do. No, no, no. We want to help you do what God has called you to do. Our vision is, again, to plant churches in the Austin area beyond. And our values, we talked about some of these last week, our values are, the, are the, basically the map that keeps us on course to accomplish the vision and the mission. Does that make sense? So our values, we, we look back, every decision that we make, every, every purchase that we make, everything, every, every event that we, that, we, that we do, it all comes back to, does this align up with our values? And so last week we, we, covered, we covered four of them. We covered relationship. Our number one value is relationship between God and man. We, we want to help that. We want to cultivate that relationship with you and God and a relationship with each other. That's important to us. Our second one that we, we covered, we, we talked about encounter. Now, we have been encountering God at our services almost like it's crazy because it's like just expected now. He just shows up because he shows up where he's welcome. But we, are, we, 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 we believe in encountering God because we know that we can't, we can't do this on religion, guys. We can't do this on religion. Things, the things of God cannot be accomplished just through rituals and, rep, and repetitious things and tradition. The Spirit of God, He is a living God. 
Amen. He's a living God. He lives inside of us. He speaks to us. He guides us. He corrects us. So when we encounter him, these things change us. So we believe in relationship. We, we value encounter. We value community, right? Our schools, our neighbors, our neighborhoods. That's why we do the Halloween event. That's why we do the Christmas tree lighting. That's why we're trying to be involved in whatever we can be, not just to meet people, but to help the city. We value life. We see that God has given us purpose, and he's, he's called each and every one of us with a divine destiny. And so we value every life, and also we value the life as a person. I say, man, God's given me a good life, even if I'm going through things, because I have Jesus. So we value this life. So I'm going to go through the next few of them. And so the one right after life, and again, I'm going to point this out every time I talk about our core values. I spent a lot of time to get them to spell out reclaim, okay? So um, you're going to see that as we go. So we got relationship, encounter, community, life, right? Now we're going to acceptance. Acceptance. We are big on acceptance. Jesus accepted people as they were, but loved them enough to bring change into their lives. We want to follow in his footsteps. We will accept anyone as they are and love them with the love of God. Now listen, I'm gonna, it's going to get a little bit heavy right now. Is that okay? Okay, because I can't skip this part. This part. I can't because then this message will be really short. But it's going to get really a little bit Maybe a little bit tough because I don't want our church to confuse acceptance with affirmation. We accept people, but we never affirm sin. We will not pursue growth at the expense of righteousness. We will not pursue numbers at the expense of holiness. Remember, we are not people pleasers. We are present seekers, right? So that means that we're going to love people. And we're going to accept people as they are, but we are not going to affirm sin because Jesus never affirmed sin. The Bible never affirms sin. And so when people come into our church, this is, and this is a scary part, is that we have to be very careful with how we present the gospel because really what, what has happened is we've, pre we've presented this gospel as a community of churches to, to be all you have to do is believe. And yes, it's true. And you're saved by grace. And yes, that's true. And it's like, okay, but you can go and sin. And you can go and live and do, do whatever you want because you're saved by grace. The problem is that's not what Scripture teaches us. It's act, he actually says, Paul says, that's not what it is. Amen. We, we, we all got to say amen so nobody feels awkward. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, anyway, okay. So I'm going to read a, a paragraph out of this book. And forgive me if I, if I stumble over some words. It's, it's, called, it's called Killing Kryptonite by John, by John Bevere. It's an amazing book. I would, I would highly recommend that book as well. And what he's talking about, he's talking about how can we as a church receive what God has given the church, right? Miracles. Why don't we see miracles anymore? Like why don't we see the dead raised anymore? Why don't we see this stuff? And he has his book on it, and this really comes down to the individual. And he has this, this, this paragraph that says, I believe we have found certain instructions from the New Testament that appeal to us. We have proclaimed that we are saved by grace through faith, and we cannot earn this grace because it is God's favor. We have stressed loving one another, enjoying life, serving one another, singing new songs of worship, being relevant, executing good leadership, and creating a healthy community. We, we proclaim all of this with fervent passion. Now listen, I think all of that is good. All of that is good, right? But listen to what he says next. He says, however, we are neglecting the importance of meekness, holiness, sexual purity, and abstinence from other sins. 
And then he jumps down and he says, can we solely focus on the aspects of Jesus' words that don't collide with our society's established standards and perversions? Can we create a Jesus that doesn't confront the ungodly ways of culture? Have we created a knockoff Jesus different from the one revealed in Scripture? Now, as I was reading this, I was like, oh, I was honestly a little bit convicted as I was putting this message together because I feel like as a pastor, it's hard to, it, it is hard to preach on truth because really you don't want to offend people. That is not our goal to offend people, right? It never is. It never will be. If that's your goal, please find another church <laughs> or get saved and let God change you. That's not our goal, to offend people, to bother people, to upset people. Now, I've seen people preach truth with the most hateful heart, and it's just ugly. But then I've seen people who truly love people, but they're afraid to preach truth because they don't want to hurt somebody. But if we truly love people, then we will preach truth whether it hurts or not because truth is the only thing that, truth is the answer to sin. Right? I can't tell somebody like, hey, you're struggling. It's okay that you struggle as long as you read your Bible and you never have to change. That's lying to them. That'll make somebody feel good and you can leave our service feeling good about yourself. But remember our core value number one is relationship. I don't want you to feel good about yourself. I want you to know Jesus. <clears throat> amen. I really need your amen today because my throat is itchy. I need to drink a lot of water. So please help me. 1 Corinthians 5.2. Now check this out. This is Paul, and he says, It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans. For a man has his father's wife. That's crazy. And you are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. Now imagine in a church today if somebody said that to somebody. That church is hateful. They just hate people. No, 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 no. This is scripture. The, the issue with this church was, is they were celebrating the fact that they were allowing this man to live in sin because of grace. And they were celebrating this. They were like, they were, he says, you're arrogant. Because they were proud of the fact that they allowed sin into their church. Because it was almost like a rite of passage to the world to say, hey, we're relevant and we're cool. And so we let this go in our church. So if you're a sinner and you want to stay in sin, then you can come to our church and stay in sin. The problem with that is that sin separates us from God. And the Bible says that sin leads to death. So how can I be a loving person when all I'm doing is lying to people and trying to get them to feel good, but in the, in the moment of eternity when you enter into the judgment of the Lord and you stand face to face with God and he asks the individual, what did, they, what did you do with Jesus? And they say nothing because my pastor said I didn't have to. Tell me that's not heavy. That's crazy. So as a pastor and as Christians, as ambassadors of heaven and of the Lord, we have to be able to stand on truth regardless of the response of people. I was in a, uh, a band called Loud and Rowdy back in the day. And I, it was a hardcore band. And for those of you who know anything about hardcore, it was like a, it was like a punk rock. Hard, it was a long time ago. I mean, I, I don't remember. I was like 18. It wasn't that long ago, I guess. But um, I loved it. We had such a good time. I played the drums with them. And the problem was for these people is that we were a good band. We were good. And so they always wanted us to play their shows. But every single show, 
we took five to ten minutes out of that show to preach the gospel. People hated that. They hated it. But they kept inviting us. And we are like, listen, I don't know why you're inviting us. We're going to keep preaching. And we would preach, and people would come out with bats. People would throw beer bottles. People would cuss at us. People would yell at us. They hated the truth. They hated the gospel message. But guess what? There are still people today that are being discipled in churches, that are leading in churches today from those shows, that were saved from, from the death, from the grips of sin, that have been saved into the eternal life with Jesus because we didn't sway from truth. Now, acceptance is not affirmation. Amen. We don't affirm sin. We preach the truth and against sin, but we accept every sinner because we love people. It's, it's, it's crazy, right? This, but Jesus shows us, Jesus shows a, real, a, a really good example in the book of uh, John chapter 4, verse 7 through 9. Um, and we're going to jump down to 15 to 17 right after that. It says, a woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For, dis- for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water. Oh, excuse me. And then you jump down a little bit to verse 15. She says, so they have this conversation. And then Jesus tells her about living water, the, the everlasting water. And he's like, if you drink this water, you'll never have to thirst again. And her response is, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Imagine, just leave it at that. But no. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands. And the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. So what is Jesus doing? Jesus is accepting this woman. He's putting value on her life by saying, hey, I'm going to sit with you. I'm going to talk with you. I want to know you. But in the value and the relationship and the conversation, he accepts her as a person but confronts her sin. You you see the difference there. He accepts her as a person but he confronts the sin. Now, that doesn't mean, listen, that doesn't mean every time somebody comes into a church, you're like, hey, what sin are you doing so I can tell you that you're wrong. That's not what this is, okay. Please don't do that. Hey, I heard you doing this. Saw you do this on Instagram. It's a sin, brother. No, that's not what we're talking about. You can't correct people that you don't love. And you can't bring correction to those you don't have a relationship with. Correction is it needs investment first. Amen. So Jesus is sitting with this woman. He's teaching us as well in the scripture, saying, listen, you can accept and love people without affirming sin. So acceptance is not affirmation. What do I mean by acceptance? I mean that we, we are not prejudiced. We're not prejudiced. For those who have different lifestyles than us, those who are in different generations than us, those who talk differently than us, those who dress differently than us, those who look different than we do, we're not prejudiced. If people dress differently than I do, you're still welcome in my church. We don't let politics bring division to our church. You may have a different political belief than I do, but we don't need to let that bring division. I can still accept you. You can still accept me. Amen. Amen. We're not racist. People have told me, they're like, why don't you talk about social justice issues? And I'm like, I, that's just not, not that we're, we don't have a heart for those issues, but our, our job is to preach the gospel. When you, only, when you only talk about social justice issues, all you're doing is you're, you're, you're cutting a branch and not cutting the root. When you preach the gospel, 
and somebody's heart is changed, guess what? The racism, the hate towards people, all that ugliness begins to change because Jesus changes it from the inside. So we don't t- touch on ju- social justice, but we do t- talk about the gospel. And the gospel is all about justice. It's all about mercy. It's all about love and unity and community. Amen. So we're not racist. We're not prejudiced. We're not afraid of people. We're not afraid when somebody doesn't have as much money as we do or has as much money as we do. We're not like that. This church that we are building is a church that is for the broken, that is for the lost, that is for the hurting, that is for those who are confused about their faith. Can we not be a church that judges someone because of their confusion but helps them be led to truth? To say, to say, hey, listen, I know that you're, I know that you're, you don't really understand that right now, but let me walk you through it. I'm not going to kick you out of the church. I'm not going to condemn you and, and, and excommunicate you because you don't believe like I do, but I want to help you. I want to help you get to know the Lord. Because acceptance, although it's not affirmation, acceptance is shown in the way that we treat each other. The way that we talk to each other. The way that we talk about each other. That's how acceptance is. We have this, this, this saying, and I honestly don't really like it. I wish there was a better way to say it. But you'll get what I'm saying. We say believe, belong, behave. Now, the behave word, I'm not a big fan of it. Whatever, it's the three Bs, okay? Believe, belong, behave. Sometimes Christians have it backwards. They say behave, believe, and then belong. But where we stand as a church is to say believe, or believe, belong, Behave. I actually wrote that down wrong. Belong first. Belong, believe, behave. That like makes more sense, huh? Belong to the community. You can belong to our community without sharing the same faith. You can, you can hang out with us without having the same faith. In fact, we should be reaching those who don't know Jesus. Amen? You can belong first. And I hope that when you belong, you see the faith of the others you see the faith of the Christians, and you say, man, I believe, uh, there's something about them, they're different. And then you believe. And then this faith that we have in Jesus, because we're saved by faith, not by works, right? But the faith that we have in Jesus teaches us and empowers us to live a life of behavior to the word of God. Amen? So believe, or belong, believe, behave. So that's, that's another core value is acceptance. Second one is intentionality. We want to be intentional with why we come and how we live. We will, we will not be a church of consumers, but a church of people ready to serve others. We are intentional with our purpose and with people. See, intentionality in your life starts with the why. And we did a message on this a few weeks back of the what, the, what, the why, and the how. But you have, to, you have to come to a moment in your life where you say, what is my purpose? What, why am I alive? Right? Like, is it really just to work the job and... And have a routine every single day. Like, what is my divine purpose of God? Like, why am I placed on this earth? You have to find your why. We cannot be intentional with our lives until we understand why we're living. So I'll, I'll tell you my why. Because I, 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 I had to sit down by myself and I was like, okay, what is my why? Why am I living? What is my purpose? And obviously I'm like, okay, I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a pastor, uh, I'm a friend. I have all these different things that, I'm, that I am that I still need to work on in life and I'm like, okay, but that's not my why. What is my why? And I sat down, and, and your, why may, your why may be different, but I realized, I'm like, you know what, my why? My why for my life is I want to be as close to God as I possibly can be. And I want to live for his glory. 
my why for living is to be as close to God, to, to walk with him, to know him, to know his heart, and to live for his glory. And our, when we find that why, it leads to our daily decisions. So now my why, it, 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 it guides me throughout my day. So when I'm tempted to do something that is wrong, I look to my why. Is this going to get me closer to the Lord or further away? If it's not going to get me closer, then I'm not going to do it. The way that I work, the way that I treat my kids, the way that I talk to my wife, is this, is this response because of my why or is it, is it because of my flesh? But we want to be intentional with what we're doing. We want to be intentional with why we live, why we're coming to church. Jesus said, I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. We have to be intentional in the way that I, we present ourselves, right? We have to, 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 to we, we are representatives of, of Christ and we're representatives of the church. People look at you and you may be the only representative of Jesus they'll ever see. So if we're not intentional with that, if we're not walking with the knowledge of, okay, I'm a representative of Jesus, so where I go, I should have a good attitude. Where I go, I should, I should love people. Where I go, I should forgive. Amen. We're representatives of Jesus and we're representatives of our church. When you come to Reclaim Church, I think it's up to all of us to give our church a good reputation. That's why we don't have any stickers for cars yet. We, we, need, we need a few more years. <laughs> what church does he go to? Reclaim Church? Cutting me off. We've got to be intentional with that, intentional with, with the way that I serve in church. We have this thing in our growth track. It's, we talk about time, talent, and treasure. We have to be intentional with the way that we, the way that we serve and we, the way that we give our time to the church. There's nothing wrong with serving in the church. Can I just say that? That's a good thing. It's a good thing to come and serve and come and greet and clean and, and just be available for help. Can I just be honest? We need a lot of help in our kids' room. That's just the truth. Like, we need, we need to, we're desperate, please, for begging me. No, I'm just kidding. But think, be intentional with the time, with, with the time you spend showing up to church, investing in relationships, investing in ministry. Be intentional with your talents, right? The things you're good at, the things you're, you have a passion for, use them for the glory of God. Use those talents that you have. And, and, and last but not least, but be intentional with your treasure, with your giving. Now, we don't really talk about giving too much, and I, I, I never really want to put a, put a big burden of, of finan financial things on our church, but I don't want our church to miss out on blessing because I refuse to talk about giving. It is good to give. It is good to give a tithe. A tithe is 10% of your income. That's a good thing. There's not, it's not a bad thing. That's not, the church is not out to get you. Right? Like, I'm not going to, they're just, they just take my, what do you think, what do you think we're going to do with the money? <laughs> like, we need to pay for this building, guys. Come on now. Like, but, but not just, but that's been a, a general idea of giving, right? Like, we don't want to talk about it. It's a negative thing. Well, we don't want, they're going to take my money because all these guys just buy mansions and stuff, which, you know, that's another conversation. But be intentional with the tithe. 10%. I, I give, I give 10%. I don't, right, as of right now, I don't cut a salary from the church. I don't. And so if you're thinking, man, he just wants a raise, that's not the truth. <laughs> right now, that's not how we operate. Jesus says, when you give to the needy, 
Sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have, the re- they receive, they have received their reward. He says, when you give, not if you give. Jesus is laying down this, this standard of like, hey, this should be a regular thing to give. To give the tithe. In 2 Corinthians 6, or 9, 6, and 7 says, The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. This is something that we have to practice and get better at. I'm, I, I want to say this because I don't want you to miss out on the blessing. He says, if, the, if you give, you're going to receive. And I know, guys, trust me, I know there's those moments where you're like, man, I can't give. I have to pay the bills and I have to buy food. And I, I understand those times. I get it. But a tithe is a great, is a great uh, representation in our life of where we put our trust. Your tithe will tell you whether you put your trust in your money or your trust in the Lord. I don't know about you, but I've never been let down by the Lord, ever in my life. He's never failed me, not once. And there's been times, I've shared this before, there's been times when we've emptied our savings account. Now, when I say that, you may think we had a lot. We didn't have a lot. <laughs> but we emptied the account because the Lord told us to. We gave more money than we, we could have because he told us to. And we've never been without. He's always, always, always come through. And I want, you to, I want you to experience that. So intentionality, we, we're, 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 we, live, we live on purpose, right? We have a purpose to why we live. And last, last of, the, um, of the core values is, is mission. And if I could have David come up or the piano, somebody. My wife's in the room with the kids. Oh, there she is. She's here in spirit. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> last, our value is mission. <clears throat> We value the mission that Jesus gave us to preach the gospel. We will, co- we will accomplish this by doing our very best in whatever we do. Not settling for a mediocre life and living with big faith. Uh, my hope as a church is that we are a church that sees the weight and the significance of this mission. I think the unfortunate thing that has happened in the, in the world today is we have forgotten what the gospel really is. We've made church about like, oh, show up and, 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 and we've made it about social media, which is nothing wrong with that. We've made it about programs, which is nothing wrong with that. We've made it about all these different things, but the church was never designed specifically for those. The church was designed to be a gospel spreader. Jesus says, it is the sick who need a doctor not those in good health. My purpose is to invite sinners to turn from their sins. Again, how could they know what sin is if we never preach truth? Not to spend my time with those who think themselves already good enough. Then he says in Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. This mission that we have is the whole reason Jesus came to earth. Can we not forget this? Can we not forget this? Because listen, I know what happens. I know we, we get out of church and we go have lunch and we go to our homes and we clean up and we take naps and whatever you do. But the truth is this, if we're honest, by Monday we've forgotten about the gospel. 
if we're honest, that happens to me too. I'm not going to lie to you. We forget about the mission of Jesus, the gospel, th this, this truth that, that you're telling me that a sinner, one who is broken, one who is, is bound, one who is addicted can encounter Jesus and be completely set free. Yes, that's what we're saying. That's the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus paid the price for our sins. Our sins. Not the sins of those in the, just in scripture. Not the sins of just the ones who are on the cross next to him. Our sins today. That we can be forgiven? You're telling me that the sins that I've committed, that nobody knows, the thoughts that I think that nobody knows, you're telling me that I can be forgiven of those? Absolutely. That's the gospel. That's the mission of Jesus. Everything we do as a church is done to spread the gospel. We got a nice comfortable building so that people can come to a building that they actually want to be at so they can hear the gospel. We have sound equipment and lighting so that it can be a presented gospel. Everything we do is geared towards this mission of Jesus that the lost would be found. That the lost would be found. But listen, this, this mission is urgent. It's urgent. You can, you can sit on it. Listen, you can sit on it and say, well, maybe next week, maybe the week after, maybe the month after this. You can sit on it and say, maybe one day I'll give my life to Jesus for real, right? Like I know we're sometimes we're a little bit religious, but we don't really know him. We can sit on that and say, yeah, one day, one day, one day. But can I tell you that tomorrow is not promised. Tomorrow is not promised. The Lord has been pushing that in my heart these last few weeks. And I think a lot of it has to do with my my. One of my heroes in life, Kobe Bryant, like you may be like, man, everybody's talking about this guy. But listen, I'm from L.A. I grew up watching him. And when he, when he passed away, it was like, man, life is like that. The guys, the people with him, it's just crazy. This whole, this whole scene. But life is so much faster than we think. This message is urgent. It's urgent. You have to know Jesus. I was sitting, me and my, me and my wife were sitting with our son. And um, I don't know if I've told you this, but, but when we were in California, my son answered the altar call to accept Jesus in his heart. Now he's four years old. And so afterwards, he's like, I just wanted candy. <laughs> Amen. We're like, is that, is that what I get? I'll raise my hand too. <laughs> no, but we talked about it. And, and I, I believe, and, and he was, we kind of had this conversation. I believe that there was something significant that happened in his heart. And so we bought him this Bible, right? We bought him the Action Bible. It's so, it's so cool. It looks like a comic book. It's so cool. And so we, we're, my wife is reading it to him, and I'm playing video games like a responsible father. And she's uh, reading it to him. And, uh, and uh, she tells him the story of Adam and Eve. And she says, you know, they ate the apple, and, and the sin led to, it's going to lead to death. And she's you know, she reading the story, and he's, like, freaking out. He's like, Dad, I don't want to die. He's like, you're telling me that we're going to die? Like, he's freaking out. He's four years old. And he's like, Dad, I can't. Like, that means his, his great-grandma's Gigi. And she, he's like, Gigi's going to die? Grandma's going to die? Like, we're all going to die? And he's freaking out. He felt the urgency. And so I sat with him. I'm so, I said, son, listen. And I, share, I, I was able to share the gospel with him. I said, listen, all you got to do is believe in Jesus, that he's in your heart. And you're going to live for eternity, man. Like, you don't have, we're not afraid of death. We're not afraid of death. 
because we go on and we know God and we know eternity itself. It's him. And I didn't tell him all that because it's a little bit deep. But I'm, I'm sharing the gospel with him and I'm just, and he's like, okay. He's still a little bit freaked out, but he's like, okay, that makes more sense. And he went to sleep. But we have to catch the urgency of this mission. Romans 13, 11 says, another reason for right living, not for going to church, not for religious practices, not for programs, not for cool uh, social media stuff about church. He says, another reason for right living is this. You know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up, for the coming of the Lord is nearer now than when we first believed. Honestly, the church has stopped preaching about the return of Jesus. We think we're going to be here forever. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. How, how will he see your life? Are you, are you a person that he's going to come and say, man, you did a great job. You, had full, you, you did everything with the giftings I gave you. You served your local church. You loved on people. You, you spread the message. You, 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 you discipled others and you invested into people. Man, I'm proud of you. Or is he going to come down and say, man, you wasted your life. It was a waste because all you did was show up on Sundays. Now, I told you this mess would be a little bit hard. But sometimes we need a little bit of a push. I need this too because the Lord has been convicting me about this. But this is the sad truth is we will never see the value and the urgency of the mission until we experience it ourselves. The scripture says, he says, those who are forgiven of much love much. When we experience this free gift of salvation and we have this encounter with the Lord and it's like, man, I never knew that I could have this and everything changes. That's when we see the value and the urgency of the message. So I want to ask you this question. Do you see the gospel as important? Or do you see it as religion? Do you see the gospel as a life-changing message? Or do you see it as just a history sto a story in history that you tell your kids so that you could be a good family? We are going to be a church that preaches the gospel that lives for the mission of Jesus. This is why we're here. This is why we're here. Be a light. Share your testimony. Let people know what God has done in your life. This, guys, listen, listen. This, what I'm talking about, is literally life and death. This is not some like, oh, yeah, whatever, cool message, man. I'm going to go home and, yeah, that's great. Good job, Pastor Mike. No, 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 no. This is where you come to a crossroads in your life. And you say, okay, I'm either going to be all in or I'm going to miss out. Now that goes for those who don't know Jesus and for those who do. Because we all have to be all in. So our, our, our core values in the church are nothing. Really, we need each other. And I want you to understand that you are valuable to this church. You matter. Whether it's your first time, second time, third time, fourth time, fifth time, tenth time, whatever. You are so important to this mission. And I don't want you to feel like, well, I'm underqualified or I don't deserve it or I'm not good enough. No, 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 no. Like I said, if anybody's underqualified, it's me. You guys are all much better people than I am. 
I want you to see that value that you have. We hope that you enjoyed this message. For more information on our church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX or check us out on our website, ReclaimChurchTX.com. Thank you for listening.